Okay, guys, here we are today for the next episode of the Wealth Creation Show. We are on episode 39. Who would have thought? <laughs> 39, yeah. Seven different types of income streams. This is going to be amazing, this show. If I don't say so myself, to be honest. Um, but I tell you what, Richard, one of the things that I've been contemplating over the last couple of weeks while I've been away, I mean, when I go away on uh -huh. holiday, it gives me a perfect time to think. And one of the things I've been contemplating is do your children need to struggle? And I think we've touched on this. Um, yeah. So this is, do, is it appropriate to make to, to allow your children to struggle in life? Uh, because a lot of people actually, and I've been taught this as well, this is what I was taught in the beginning, if they don't go through a struggle, they'll never learn anything, they'll never be successful in anything as a result of that. Now, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm in two minds about this now. And my, my trainer thought is, um, it goes back to my comment about Eleanor Roosevelt the other week um, when I said about, you know, and I'll, and I'll quickly see if I can get this um, to see what she said about the 10 biggest investment mistakes. Um, I'm sure it's on here. And I'll, and I'll just uh, read it. Uh, here it is here. Learn from the mistakes of others. You can't live long enough to make them all yourself. And that's Eleanor Roosevelt when I just said that. So my thought process was, process was that, that maybe, that's maybe what got me thinking. Jim, why, your uh, audio, why would, your audio, why would your, went, yeah? your audio went there? Sorry? I don't think it was quite crackly there. Your audio. So went. why would your why would your kids need to struggle, um, and why would you make them struggle? Um, for uh, is that okay with audio now? Is that better? Yeah, it's a bit better. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So why would you need your kids to struggle? Because it's the old scenario about if you put, if you start off in life at this point, let me say yeah. you start off at this point and you end up when you finally retire or when you finally pop your clogs at this point. OK, does this mean your children have to start off where you are to eventually get where you ended up? Why would they not go back to that statement I said on Ella Roosevelt and say, why would you not start your kids off where you ended up? Where you ended, yeah. So they, they would go even further. Does that make sense? Yeah. Ah, like, like they would pick up from where you've got to rather than having to go all the way back to the start and doing it all themselves. It would be crazy, eh? But I think most of us yeah. in society actually believe that that should be the case. I think I think we are all we're all indoctrinated into the fact that you know we think our should, kids should go through the struggle the same as we went through, um, because because that will teach them something. But yeah. If they don't need to struggle and they don't need to go through what you need to go through and they'll never need to do that, then why would you need to teach them that? Yeah, I would agree. And I think it's, uh, I would agree with when you say um, everybody's kind of being programmed into this mindset that, oh, you need to go through your own struggles and your own journey to learn what life's about. And do you know that? I mean, Hi. we're all familiar with that kind of take on things. And, yeah. and that's exactly oh, what we should be like that. You know, we had to go through all these hard times. Why should so you, you have, to, have well. to go through these hard times? Because we will learn out of that. But but if these hard times will never exist again, then why would they need to learn that if that's the case? Why would you yeah. not be better to learn from someone else's wisdom than, than, than your experience? Mm -hmm. Because I tell you what, experience is pretty expensive if you get it wrong. Uh, whereas wisdom is exactly what Eleanor Roosevelt said, is the fact that learn from someone else because you'll never be able to learn all these things and, and adapt to all these things in the lifetime that you've got as well.
That makes absolute sense for me. We're going to talk about this anyway. Let me talk about what we're talking about today. Seven types of income streams. Um, a margin of your income was based purely on your, your ability to perform. Without any income, without an income stream, you will actually fail. Uh, the simple fact, a margin of it was all based on your job and you weren't able to do your job anymore because it's a physical job and you've now hurt yourself so you can't do it. A margin if it was something to do with your brain and it was maybe a profession, it was maybe a, um, and then you something happened to your brain, you got hurt, you fell off your bike um, and therefore you can no longer do your job. Imagine if you were a surgeon and you needed your hands to do these things and you you cut your hand at something and, and then, it, you know, you weren't, you weren't able to move your tendon or something. You came off your bike and hurt yourself and your hands were no longer of any use. You would no longer be a surgeon. You would no longer have a surgeon's income. Imagine if you were a pilot and pilots and look at firemen, look at um, firemen especially have to pass fitness tests all the time. And if you don't pass, that's you at the fire brigade. So imagine if your income was a purely based on your ability to perform. And I would argue that's 95% of our population. That's quite a frightening um, statistic. Without any income stream, additional income stream, you will actually fail. The simple fact, many people have one income stream, such as employees and the people that are self-employed. That's another one as well. If you're self-employed, it's even worse because you don't get any holiday pay. (laughs) (laughs) Do you? You don't. You don't get any holiday pay. So people that are self-employed should be should be looking at this right now and actually saying to themselves, how could I set up other income streams apart from the one I've got just now in order to make sure that it's not based on my ability to perform? And this is all about proper investments. Um, Having multiple income streams as well will actually hedge you and it'll be a good way of safeguarding. Hedge is another good way, a good way of safeguarding in in real terms. Uh, You're against a downturn in one area. So in other words, if your business isn't doing as well, you'll sometimes find that your investments are doing well and, and vice versa. That's kind of how it works. Um, so every every dog has their day. I always say that, you know, sometimes you're on the down, but if you hang around long enough, the up will come back again. Um, and, and, and it will also give you uh, your stability and the opportunity to grow. And this is the key here. This is what this is all about. Your long-term wealth. It's not always about income. It's more about your long-term wealth that we are talking about and strategies and ways to actually increase your long-term wealth. Um, anybody could generate income. And if you want to learn about that, you've got other shows that we've done before about how to generate income and how to generate instant income as well. Luckily, you don't need to head back to school because we're here to tell you all about it. Just based on my personal experience over the last 30 years, 35 years, probably a bit more than that, actually, because when it comes yeah. to wealth creation, it's, you're, you're a... You're a, you're, you're a, a, a your accumulation of your all the things all the experiences you've had good and bad before to right to this point uh, here's a here's a real one i was told and richard uh, it was a hard-hitting bush right biffing the chops for me from someone who said um if you don't like where you are guess whose fault that is yeah <laughs> it's the guy you can't, you can't blame anyone else yeah it's the guy it's like it's no anybody. It's no your boss's fault. It's no the government's fault. It's no it's no anybody else's fault except you, because you've either let somebody make a decision for you, which has affected your financial future, or you've failed to take a decision. It should have affected your financial future. So you only yourself to blame, and and that's hard hitting for a lot of people 
it would probably be watching this or listening to this later on. Um, um, but really, that's that's the reality of the situation. Um, yeah. What we're going to talk about today, let you know, go into this. Um, you know, what are these seven different types of income streams, Richard? Um, and you know, have we got an intro into this? You know, without uh, income streams or whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, like you say, without income streams, your business will ultimately fail. Um, a simple fact that obviously many small businesses like or self-employed people, like you say, only have the one single in income stream and that like, like electricians or plumbers or do you mean contractors, or, you, you gave a few examples earlier and these all have a single income stream and that's what they rely on. Um, having multiple income streams is a good way, like you say, for safeguarding your business against downturn periods. Um, and it could give your business stability and ultimately allow you to grow and build wealth as well, which is obviously what the show is all about. Mm -hmm. I think you, you made a good point there, Jim, where um, we come on here and, and obviously we learn quite a lot for you, Jim, and obviously you've got a lot of years of experience. And it's not just in property investment, it's in a lot of different things, like we've done a lot on pensions last week and things. Pensions is a big thing now that I've been thinking about and we've been talking about. Um, so yeah, like if you're a tradesperson or somebody with single income stream, it may be challenging to try and figure out how you could generate multiple income streams. So hopefully today, when we have a wee chat yeah. about yeah. the seven different types, um, it will help people maybe look at the different avenues they could take um, to to make multiple income streams for themselves. So if one fails, the other could jump in and obviously help them uh, continually have an income. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's two types of income streams, um, and you know this, Jim. There's there's active, and I know you don't like the word, but passive income as well. Um, so your active income nothing, would be nothing really uh, passive. Uh, some point yeah, I know that's what you don't like. <laughs> so how we talk about passive is is it doesn't really require much of your input. It just needs decisions at the it's it's the yeah. macro level, which is the bigger picture level, rather than actually being involved in it. Um, probably a classic example of that is property. If you've especially if you've got a man. I was just going to say, like your property portfolio, Jim, you make certain small, smaller, bigger decisions, or the smaller stuff, I deal with it all and let things run. And that's, yeah. that's a form of your passive income. Yeah. yeah, I mean, business, your business is, and, and your job is most and more than likely the active income stream. If you yes. want to make more income straight away, most people just get another job. I mean, look at these people in America. It's like, I've got five jobs. And it's like, what? Are <laughs> <laughs> you nuts? What? But the reality is they need five jobs in order to sustain their lifestyle and they'll literally work till they die. We have got a golden opportunity right now. And the most of the people in the UK have got a golden opportunity right now before we get to that point, because we will get to that tipping point. Because what happens is house prices increase, 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 increase. And house prices don't keep up with, the, with salaries and wages. And therefore, house prices get to the point where you have to you have to keep working and generating income. And, and you will be working three or four jobs just to get that, to buy a house yeah. uh, or just even rent a house in the future. I'm not caring what they say about rent freezes and rent, rent caps and all the rest of it. That will be the reality of the situation. Uh, you will no longer have um, things like the free access to the NHS. It will cost at some point in time in the future. I could see that coming. Uh, you will yeah. no longer have the pensions um, by, provided by the state. They will disappear as well. And it's not just about you. You think, well, I'm okay. I'm fine with that. It's your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. Um, yeah. And that's the people you should be looking at and doing things like this for right now in order to help them and educate them as well for their future. I'll go back to saying at the beginning, do they really need to go through that struggle if you've got the answers for them right now? I know. 
I think I've, for my generation or for my age group, I think I've well, I've accepted that state pensions just well, I didn't even think about it because I think that I'm not going to have that. So obviously I'm looking at other avenues to to yeah. have that to safeguard that. But the NHS thing, I mean, obviously maybe not in my lifetime, but maybe future generations, they're not going to have that without paying for it. So. That's a scary place. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think the NHS is even sustainable in your lifetime, Richard. Okay. And the reason for that is because the baby boomers and the Generation Zs, which is yeah. myself, mm -hmm. uh, we're all dying out eventually. I've got 20 years on you, remember. So when you think yeah. about it, when you retire at 65, I'll be 85. I might not even be here. I'm planning to live to 110. Um, and I'm only halfway there as far as I'm concerned. Um, Still but that's, that's another story. Um, but when you think about it, there'll not be enough people working as well because we'll all be retired and we are the majority of the population, the baby boomers and Generation Z, which yeah. are the majority of the population. We have no longer, we have nobody to kind of replace all our jobs. Hence the reason why the government and, and, and most of industry is talking about automating the most of the tasks by, by automation more than 30% more, but I think it was 2030 or even or even 2040. They have to automate. They have no choice. They've got no people to take up these jobs that we will be leaving behind. And mm -hmm. um, we can see that right now in our economy when we've got 1,100, sorry, 1.1 million people chasing yeah. 1.3 million jobs. We have got an excess of jobs available. We've got nobody to fill them. And and we've, we've shut the door to immigration as well. We're like, we don't want people in this country. Are you nuts? We need these people to come here to work, to create to create revenue, to get taxed on in order to keep the NHS going and keep yes. all these things going and, and sustain this uh, current system. So you're, you're not going to be able to do that. And the government's uh, devolved responsibility. I spoke to Ian about, uh, this morning about it as well, about um, pensions. So yeah. deferred pensions and how bonds affect things, because these deferred pensions um, or the defined, uh, defined contribution pensions, um, yeah. or defined benefit pensions, sorry, not defined contribution, that's a different thing. Defined benefit pensions are the pensions that you used to get, well, when you retire, you'll get two thirds of your salary and, and that'll be for life. And we'll guarantee you have this amount every single year for the rest of your life. Um, these people rely on bonds and this is why the problem has been caused because they have to buy bonds in order to sustain that payment every single time because it's almost guaranteed and the defined and the defined benefit pensions provided by companies. That's why the government's now said to people, stop the defined benefit, because you'll yeah. never be able to guarantee this in the future, and you'll put yourself, you'll you'll put yourself out of business. You know, Diageo saw that coming. That's why they Diageo is that. So now all pensions have changed to defined contribution pensions, which, in other words, it passes the ownership from the company onto the individual to provide for their own pension provision in the future. And that's why as well, you no longer have, um, oh, you can buy an annuity and they're allowing us to just draw down our own pension whenever we want to do it. You're not forced into buying an annuity anymore because the, because an annuity as well then has to guarantee you a certain amount of money until you die. And they, yeah. can't, they, they won't be able to guarantee that amount in the future because it's dependent on buying bonds and making sure these bonds pay that money. So this isn't going to be sustainable, this whole system and this culture we've got there now. And literally, that's why I say you will have your children and your grandchildren, your great grandchildren. We will work; they will work to the diet, and they'll have three or four jobs, and they will not be able to survive on what they've got there now. So this is why you do it now and teach them to do what you're doing for them, for their kids, and teach your grandkids and to so do on, yeah. their kids. So every successive generation after you teaches their own children 
to do all this and put proper provisions in for their generations. So if you have children out there, if you've got young children out there, and you've got older children and they've not got a pension yet because they're not working with a company, get a pension taken out for them now. Children from birth can get a pension taken out now and they can get up to the lower rate tax threshold paid in from the government to their pension. The astronomical compounding effect, which we've done in other shows, is mental about yes. what they can achieve with just a small amount of money. I mean, we I think we had worked out something like if, if you put in the minimum amount or the maximum amount you're allowed for a child up to age 18, well, up for the first 50 years, um, and they retire at 50 year old, which they can't. They'll be 55, 57, 60 or something like that. They'll be worth, they'll be multi-millionaire yeah. on their pension, all because you put in 144,000 pound over the years. And you can't, you don't do that all at once. So remember 144,000 over all the years, a lot less in today's money. Yeah, at least 40 years they're doing that more. But again, check out the Wealth Creation shows. Um, everybody watching here or listening in, look yeah. on the playlist on our YouTube channel and we'll tell you all about that in previous previous episodes that we've done. Um, if you want more information and you do want that link, then please feel free to send us a message and we'll send it to you. So the active income streams are really the businesses or it's the employed positions that you're doing. Yeah. It is a simple and direct connection between time for money. You never want to do that. You never you, you want to trade time for money in your day to day, but outside of that, you want to develop something that doesn't rely on your time, because then you could earn anything. It's unlimited if it doesn't rely on your time. So, what is passive income then, Richard? Uh, passive income. Well, it's where the income is not directly tied to the work that you do. Like you say, your day to day job, if you're an electrician yeah. or a plumber or whatever, what you do each day, you get paid for. Um, yeah. So don't be fooled. Although it says passive income. There is still work required, but you're not doing a 95 job to get this money mm. um, and generate revenue. It doesn't come um, for free. You still need to do something. But in general, the work is needed for the work that's needed for passive in passive income stream takes place kind of early on to set things up, and then the income comes later as, yeah. as cash flow with property. Have you said that? Quite uh, yeah. Yeah. You said it doesn't come free. It doesn't. And that's a that's a classic. And you either get temporarily, temporarily ambitious now yeah. to be permanently lazy, lazy, lazy later yeah. on, yeah. or you'll pay up, you pay the price now. Because I tell you what, and I keep saying it: wait till you get the bill from regret yeah. for not doing it now, because it's a lot worse and it's a bigger price, and you don't want to pay that price, especially when you retire. Because by the way, you'll not retire; you'll not be able to afford to retire. Yeah. Um, so. Passive income streams uh, takes place early on and the income comes later. It's investment return, isn't it? It's the yeah. farmer mentality. Yeah. It's the plant the seed, sow the seed, plant the and seed and then water yeah. the seed. All the outlays done in the beginning, all the investment and the return. You leave it to grow over the summer yeah. months. And then all you do is you, you it grows over and it grows over time and then you reap the rewards. And then yeah. just so happens it's still there. And then every year you keep reap, reaping the rewards because you've maybe planted apple trees, for example. So every year you get more and more off the apple tree. You take the apples, you take the seeds and you put them into the ground and you plant even more apple trees. So every single apple tree gets down. You see how that's going? A big, yeah. huge orchard. In 20 years time, you'll have a huge apple plantation. and But you'll Jerry, be reaping yeah. rewards based on that one seed that you put in in the beginning and nurtured it. Yeah. 
yeah, that's a good that's a good analogy. It's a good way to look at that. Is, and it's the same if it's property investment. Obviously, mm -hmm. you start with the one property, and in each property, you will have that work in the beginning. Obviously, purchasing it, making sure the numbers work, stress testing, obviously your rental amount and and things as well. Have the right agent in place, doing all the the work throughout the tenancy for you, um, mm -hmm. and get that cash flow throughout. And then, like you say, you get to a point where you're like, oh, well, I'll I'll maybe refinance and whatever. And get another one and another one and that's and we've done that yeah. in previous shows as well jim we need to talk about diversification yeah. big business yes. big business has always been diversifying its income streams for centuries um yeah. they expand their business operations in different sectors here we go and um, so when one goes down one's still running and it keeps mm -hmm. it all stable it's not they're not going to be running perfect at the same time but you make sure you diversify enough so the all one keeps the other one propped up uh, to generate new income streams in these sectors Almost any company can diversify. Any individual can diversify. A flower shop, for example, can develop a separate wedding flower business um, or, or mail order business. Um, most the most potent diversification is, is into a, a completely new business sector. Um, but it takes a lot of effort and expense in the beginning. Uh, and that's what it is. Um, so an excellent study of a company that has grown and diversified is, you know, it's one of my favorite guys is Virgin, Richard yeah. Branson. It's like he's, the Virgin group is massive. It is a conglomerate. A conglomerate yeah. is a is a, a multitude of different companies yeah. in different yeah. sectors. Um, and it initially started with Richard Branson as a record label. And, and, and it was a student magazine in the beginning. A student magazine, and they thought, yeah, we'll go into records and see and sell records to people. So then the record label came about and then expanded into aviation because he because he got stuck at the airport and he did they have a plane and he, he went to everybody else. I tell you what, why do we not chip in the fees that we would have paid for our flights and we'll go and charter a plane? And that was the that was the seed that was planted for for Virgin Atlantic in the beginning. Yeah. So initially started as a record label, expanded into aviation, then it went into holidays off the back of that. It went into mobile phones. It went into broadband. I just got to say broadband, TV, yeah. You know, so there's no there's no a thing that Virgin aren't involved. It went into trains as well. Mm -hmm. and, and So another example for a good way of, uh, for an electrician to find uh, different income streams is to work with property management companies like ourselves. Yeah. Um, the core, his core business may currently be private homeowners, but management companies often... Uh, need additional tradespeople, and it's a steady income stream. Now, yeah. it might not be the most lucrative, but I tell you what, it keeps the wolf from the door. Yeah, I mean, we've got it: lens, mm -hmm. property management, yeah. sales, mortgages, legals. So there's all different ways that you mm -hmm. expand into these different areas, um, and that's just another route of diversification. And anybody as an individual can do these things. They can just start up an online business if they want. They can do network affiliation, affiliated marketing. They could do yeah. network marketing. They could do something else outside of what they're doing. And a lot of people actually do it right now, but they don't realize they do it. They go on nights out and then they organize the bus and everything for everybody. Why do you not take yeah. a cut from that? Because you're doing all the work. And they're, oh, I didn't really want to. I, I know a friend that did that all the time. Organize the buses for everybody. Um, and, and I kept saying to them, but why do you know just then get them to pay for your ticket and your maybe your um, expenses? And you organise all, yeah. And because and, I don't think anybody would have a problem with that because they're not organising the bus themselves. But he, 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 no, no, I didn't want to do that and the rest of it. And and you know, 
he still broke because he didn't realize that he could do that. Um, yeah, and he's trying to kill him. We just should have utilized that skill that he's got for organization and everything and made money out of it. I don't think people out there are aware that they should actually they should actually make sure they monetize what they're doing. If you're providing a service for someone, you should be compensated in some sort of way. And the reason for that is because what's happening here is you're taking that time away from something else that you could be earning something for your future or your children's future. Um, so aside from the time. there's other ways to generate income known as the seven streams of income. Yeah. Um, now, let's just briefly talk about these ones. Uh, and we'll go through them individually. Earned income. Yep. Actually, I've, I've got a wee graph. I did a wee graph in the beginning. And we're going to talk about these individually. Let me just pop that up so people can see it. So there's earned income. There's yep. profit income. There's interest income. There's dividend income. There's rental income. There's capital gains income. And there's royalty income. And that's the seven we're going to talk about today and how that will apply. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that gives everybody an insight into what we're, what we're going to be talking about. Uh, do you want to start off first? I mean, many of these, Richard, Richard, just let me point out this. Many yeah. of these are not available to everyone. You need to have money already to benefit from some of these income streams. But you can generate money within some of the other income streams, which will allow you to start the next income streams. Uh, after all, how do you think I got into property? Yeah. I went and worked at a job. And this is what we're going to talk about in the beginning the earned yeah. income yeah let's, let's, uh, richard you talk about earned income what earned income yeah. is a job effectively like like you say jim obviously some of these uh, some of these points maybe aren't available to everybody it depends on your circumstances but first and foremost like you say your earned income so anybody that's got a job earned income is your primary income stream through your job uh, yeah. the majority of the majority of us obviously start here that's how you earn money and maybe go no further some people are happy to do the 95 job and that's that's their choice. For most, earned income is very limited and has um, attracted the acronym just over broke. So it means so you're not broke, but you're just over it. It's um, true. You know why I say, this is quite interesting because um, somebody was actually talking about the higher rate tax, and I'm going to be controversial here, where the mm-hmm. higher rate tax is at 45 and they're dropping it down to 40, they're taking it away. And it's like people are saying, oh, my God, that's ridiculous because these people, you know, these people are, are earning a fortune. They're maybe earning a fortune, but I tell you what, they're just over broke. They're exactly the same position as you, except they're living at a different level of lifestyle. Their house in London maybe costs 550, well, 525,000 on average to buy. A house in Fife costs 168,000 on average to buy. A different level of income because they're working where they are, but they're still broke at a different level. That's what earned income is. It is just an income to put forward, maybe to invest in other areas, but most people don't realise that they should invest in other areas and they get to just over broke. Yeah. So, in other words, what does it mean? In other words, you, you earn just enough to survive. And do you know what that puts me in mind of? And I've heard it so much, and I'm sure you all will. It's uh, less, people say, well, I, I, I live and I, earn, I live month to month on my paycheck. I mean, yeah. I've heard so many people say that. And of course, some jobs do pay exceptionally well, um, but these are exceptions um, and not the norm. So obviously there is people that are on higher levels and things, but that's different to your your typical native yeah. worker. Uh, to, be go, to, to go beyond a job uh, and maybe start your own business requires taking risk and moving into profit income and looking at things differently. 
Yep. So, what is profit, profit income then? You know, do you want to elaborate on that a bit? Yeah, sorry, I thought you were going to pick up there. Yeah, so profit income is by selling a service or a product for more than what it costs, obviously, so you're making a profit. You use mm -hmm. the basis of profit income. Um, you could open maybe a retail store, sell products, uh, other professional services, and charge for your time and uh, or combine the two. And that's what you see. If you're providing a service, charge for what you're doing and charge for your time. You know a classic example of profit income? Homers. Yeah. Homers, people that do homers. They're an electrician maybe for the council or they do something for another business and they're working with them by the day, but during the weekend and at night time, they work for someone else. That's a profit income. That's, a, that's a, a weed business in their own right. They're a tradespeople. I tell you what, yeah. tradespeople have a golden opportunity to make a fortune because trades are always required. And if you get an industry like electrical or gas, uh, you know, these are the two big hitters that are always needed in houses. And and you know yourself, we've all got houses and there's all requirements and there's requirements coming all the time in terms of legislative requirements to have more and more electrical safety standards in, in homeowners' houses. Never mind, we've all got them in the uh, investment properties and landlords' properties. Yeah. Yeah, trades are a really good one. Obviously, like you say, joiners, plumbers, uh, electricians, hairdressers, you know, that's they deal, like they're the types of people that could work and the 95 thing, but do homers yes. at night over the weekend, that's additional income. Um, it's one of the hardest steps to move from earned income to profit income, but it's a dream of many employees to become self-employed. Um, and an entrepreneur can be difficult, a difficult road, and it does come with its risks. Uh, obviously, yeah. Um, yeah. everything comes with risk, but yeah. if your business has spare cash sitting in the bank, then we all know that you're losing money. Right. So there are many different ways you can put your money to work. So, give me two things just to go back to this bit we were talking about. It's one of the hardest steps to move from an earned yeah. income to profit income. Mm -hmm. um, I would, I would, I can't disagree, disagree. with that. <laughs> I I, no, I can't disagree. But I would say I did it though. So yeah. I would say, I would say work a job and, and significantly and we've done it in successive shows before so if you want to watch that on the previous shows please feel free to do that there's lots of information about this but it's how to show you how to transition from an employed position to your own self-employed yeah. business and how to do that easily without actually compromising your income at all because there's ways and means to do it but everybody thinks and this is how i thought in the beginning that you're supposed to give up your job to be self-employed and it's like no 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 you don't need to give up your job to become self-employed because nowadays jobs are so flexible that you could possibly even work a part-time job. And I would yeah. recommend work a full-time job, put enough money aside and invest properly to build a really good reasonable, a re really good income, but also have wealth as well. So income, wealth, property. Yeah. That's why I say that every single time. It has wealth built into it with appreciation. It has income built into it with the amount of uh, the, the money you make after all the overheads are paid. Um, so that's one way to do it because you can replace your income through property. And a lot of people have actually done that, myself included, to a point where you can actually walk away and earn just the same amount of money. Uh, but the key is here, though, is not to spend any of the money that you've got in property because then your lifestyle moves up to a different level and see where we're getting just over broke. Yeah. When your lifestyle moves up to a different level, therefore you can no longer leave your employee position because your lifestyle has moved up to that level. It requires your investment income and your employee position to, to sustain. Yeah. So you keep your lifestyle at your job income 
you, you keep your living at your job income. So I always yeah. talk about your job is your living. Your income outside of that is your lifestyle. And yeah. this is why you would do it. So you can replace that over time. But it does take a bit of discipline. And you can, and I'll definitely say it, you can become a millionaire in 10 years. Easily. Easily. Anybody from a standing start. You've just got to believe yeah. you can do it. Um, so it does take us, though, when we talk about the risks. And the numbers, um, it takes us on to the next yeah. one we're going to talk about, which is the interest income. So if you or your business has that spare cash sitting in a bank account, it is losing money with inflation. We've talked about this before. Yeah. Your pound today, because inflation is at 10%, well, it's 9.9, to be honest. Your pound today will buy 90% in, 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 at the end of this year. So in other words, it will have decreased in value by 10%, which is the inflationary aspect. And so you will be able to buy, for example, if it was a pound for a pint of milk, you'll now get nine-tenths of a pint of milk for the same pound in a year's time. That's what inflation does to you. So if you've got money sitting in a bank and it's only earning, for example, 2%, then you're losing 8% by the end of the year because inflation's at 10%. Uh, so that's why you have to make it work for you and you have to invest it in areas which could make more than inflation and 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 return money over the inflationary aspect. So the purchasing power of the money is a lot more um, than inflation itself, and uh, which erodes it. There are many ways you can put your money to work to earn passive income streams. Uh, we've talked about property. They may invest in a savings scheme, ISAs. You might invest in you might invest in an ISA which is linked to the stock market. You know, I, I, I think the FTSE 100, you know, gives a good return. Um, we spoke about that. Standard and Poor's, the Standard and Poor's Index in America, you can still invest in funds that invest in that. Standard and Poor's Index apparently is, has had huge returns over the last, you know, over years and years and years. Um, and whether it's got any, whether it's got any, any, any legs in it yet, any, any income to come from it. I don't know. I'm out to lunch about that. I'm, I'm no. I'm no. I'm sitting on the fence about that, whether that's right or wrong. Because I kind of think it's maybe got to a stage where it's maybe too high that investing it now will it will it go any further? Um, it, but you can time it. You can also time the stock market coming down uh, to a point where you buy, and you can get it on the way up. So you can time it every single time uh, in terms of the FTSE 100. FTSE 100 is probably sitting about six six thousand and six thousand nine hundred the now. Um, but it was seven and a half thousand a couple of months ago. So if you're invested uh, now and it goes back up to seven and a half thousand, you've instantly made about 10% on your money yeah. already. And if it's in an ISA connected to shares, then technically it's tax free. Mm -hmm. Okay, so buying government bonds, well, maybe it's not, maybe it's not the great thing now. Government bonds are a safe bet. They are a safe bet, though, Richard. You know, it's like buying a, it's like buying what we call a debenture in a business, debenture, yeah. where a debenture stock is issued from a business, and then you get a fixed return for five years, for example. Um, that's what these are. Um, they're safe investments; will generate interest all the time. Uh, probably the next one for me: dividend income. That then rolls into that. Property investment is an excellent way of protecting your money. And uh, sorry, I'm on the wrong one here. When you jobs. buy shares in a company. No, it's when you buy shares in a company, dividend income. Yeah. You become a part owner of that company and you're entitled to dividend payments. Now, yeah. well, now there is a couple of different types of dividend payments. There's preferential uh, dividends, preferential mm -hmm. shares, 
Now, preferential shares attract a dividend more uh, in, in, in preference, that's why they're called preferential shares, yeah. uh, to an ordinary dividend. So ordinary dividend is typically what everybody knows about. Preferential dividend is usually a fixed as well. And it means that you're giving first, you're giving first shout when there's a distribution and of the profits to you first before it goes to ordinary shareholders. It also yeah. makes sure that if there's any money left, if a business is wound up, that the preferential shareholders get their share first before ordinary shareholders get theirs. It gives it a wee bit more security, preferential shareholders. So there's yeah. preferential shareholders, there's ordinary shareholders as well. Um, I mean, well-timed investments in companies can generate excellent passive incomes uh, streams. Um, classic example, Pfizer, um, uh, who else? Galaxo, Bat Industries, tobacco industries, but they're also vape as well now. Drinks industry. Glencore, drink. When people are depressed, they drink. When they're happy, they drink. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of a safe bet if you've got a premium drinks company who actually are quite adaptive and Diageo is probably one of these safe yeah. bets. Uh, they're, they're what Warren Buffett talk about is long-term investments, more or less cash cows. They're more, mm -hmm. or, less, they're more or less committed to pay out dividends all the time because they've got their investors, their, their shareholders are, are primarily pension funds. They're, they're solid rock, what we call blue chip companies. Um, and they'll pay all the time, more or less. It's very, very rare that they'll actually pay out on any, they'll not pay out on anything. So you always get usually a dividend from them every single time. So they're safe, safe they're kind of safe bet. I mean, investment houses class them as high risk, but I, I kind of think, no, nah, they're not really. Um, because come hell or high water, they will pay out at some point in time. They'll maybe pay dividends which are up and down sometimes. Uh, maybe they might not pay at all. So obviously, and the same with value of stocks, it can go up as up and down. Uh, so a dividend is okay, but it's it's a bit more risky than bonds and uh, and 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 the um, uh, the other uh, you know things like debentures as well. Yeah, um, bonds and debentures. Yeah. What about what about number five for you? What's number five? Well, we talk about property, and it is of course rental income. Um, rental income is quite a good one. Property investment is an excellent way for protecting your money and generating mm -hmm. income as you do that through the rent. Um, there are maybe some downsides to the income stream. Obviously, first and foremost, you're going to have a substantial initial amount of investment. And that's what we spoke about. The work and things at the beginning will also involve your time and effort and obviously a, a cost to do that. You're going to be yeah. buying, yeah. buying to let properties. You're going to have your, your 25% uh, deposit to put down. You're going to have to make sure the property is compliant. Now, that could come at a cost depending on what level of finish the property is done to. to when you might be buying a, a, a refurb and have to to go through the property and got it so you need to take all that into consideration and, and again yeah, yeah. your previous shows jim you could you could look at property and and do that whole process of uh, risk analysis and look at what costs and and make sure your numbers are right and um, we've got a spreadsheet for helping you do that if anybody anybody wants to have a copy of that then speak to me of course and we'll do that um but yeah oh, and oh, can we cover yeah. that yeah, do you think we should cover that and just have a wee quick look we'll at this? We'll do a quick example then, just to kind yeah, of see if I can see if I can get this up and, and see if I can get the spreadsheet up to show people what we're talking about in terms of risk. Yeah. Um, let's see if I can find it. As you talk, obviously, people, um, in order to fund an investment, a property investment journey, they might want to release equity from property that they already have or their own residence yeah. or do you know what I mean? Yeah. Wherever they're getting the funds. So if funds are tied up in, in other places. 
that could be maybe time consuming to do that to in yeah. order to get you to a position where you could um start to fund a property I think, investment. I think it's quite interesting as well that if you don't have any money to start in property investment, do you know you can joint venture with someone else? You, you can't. So in other you, words, they can provide the deposit. So they provide the deposit, but you do all the work and that's your part to their deposit. So they put the deposit yeah. in and they might get a return on the deposit as well. You might give them 5% and say, look, you put the deposit in, I'll give you 5%. Um, we'll do all the work. We'll get the bank to finance the rest of it. So you'll get it at probably 5%. So overall, you're doing the whole lot at 5%, but you're putting in the work as well. And that's probably where your trade-off is. Yeah. So that's how you can get started in property for the first time. Um, but you can make you it- use other people's money, yeah. Absolutely. So what you can buy thing, you know, there's there's a typical property there now, £80,000 we bought it for, um, 4% yeah. stamp duty down. Uh, you've got your 25% uh, uh, deposit you'll need. Uh, you've got the rest. Uh, what's the average mortgage rate there now? Um, just let Thank me you. just jump on and I'll jump on to uh, the mortgage works. Probably about 4 point. I'll, I'll let you check. Yeah, I'm, I'm quickly going to look on the mortgage works to see what it is um, to see where the rates are. Uh, uh, yeah, um, as you do that, as you can see, obviously, you've got your 25% deposit. You've got your stamp duty on your second home. Uh, obviously, if you're doing a second home purchase from your initial residence, people have to remember that as well. So a lot of people yeah. forget yeah. about that. <laughs> um, a lot of people forget yeah. about that. They don't realise that's the case. Um, let's do purchase free mortgage further advance. Okay, so we're probably looking at rates round about. There's a, quite a lot of buy to let fixed rates pooled. You're talking about um, 75% loan to value. Uh, you're talking about 5.64 uh, the now. That's um, even higher than I thought it would be. It is, uh, 5.64, 5.64. Um, so there you go. Arrangement fees, 2% for that one. Um, so there's the two percent in there, and but an eighty thousand pound property. What are you talking about in terms of in terms of your uh, rent level? Well, it depends on whether it's a, a a flat or a house. But I mean, you could get a two bedroom house at that. You're probably about the, the five fifty six hundred if it's a three yeah, bedroom. Yeah, so about five fifty is a Yeah, right, five fifty. I think safe to leave it at that just now. So you're at five fifty. So if you leave it at five fifty, and you're you're twelve months occupied because uh, houses are generally quite attractive at that rate. So you're twelve yeah. months occupied, um, and then your mortgage interest is interest only. That's what we say, interest yeah. only, because you you keep the cash and then you could pay it down if you want. But at mm -hmm. least you've got a gross profit after the mortgage is paid, and you're clearing two six two every month. Yeah. Towards the overheads. Now, what I mean about overheads, I talk about things like any repairs you need to do. Any insurance you need to pay, insurance, management, pay insurance fees. management fees if you're hands off. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I build that in there in terms of that number. So that's I usually put 30% in, which leaves you just over a thousand pounds in profit every year. But equally as well, you've still got the property going up over the long term. So mm -hmm. it's maybe a tight thing just now. Uh, but if you do it in an individual mortgage, and just let me talk about, I'm just going to quickly jump on a normal buy to let for anybody that's wanting to buy something for the first time. See, individual mortgages, you're doing two-year trackers um, yeah. at 75% at, at base plus 2.49. Well, it's 2.49, actually, because it's base plus, oh, yeah, boy, base plus point, point 0.74. <laughs> Jeez. Um, so you're getting 2.49 now for two years on a tracker at 75% yeah. loan to value. Um, and, and, and the mortgage works if you're in, in your own name. So if you're only wanting one property and it doesn't compromise you, you could probably get 2 point, did I say 2.49? Yeah. And really then you're talking, about, you're talking about a £2,000 deposit, um, so you're about there. And look at how that significantly changes things. Yeah. 3,000 net profit per annum. 
So buying a property in your own name might have significant um, significant benefits to now. You have to be aware of the taxation changes from Section 24, which is actually you can only deduct at lower rate interest at the lower rate tax amount. So if you're a higher rate payer, this could affect you quite badly. But I tell you what, if you work that out, it actually might, if you work out individually, that difference for the extra £2,000 you're getting on the bottom line might actually be worth actually putting it in your own name and taking the hit at 40%. Yeah. Because if you're taxed at 40% on, on, on the extra tax that you're paid on this will be 20% more than normal. So, or even 40% more than normal. So, the 40% is on the interest part. So, you're only getting a deduction of one one five three eight. See that there? Mm -hmm. Up here? Yep, so, this yeah. mortgage up here at 1538. Um, so, 1538 is at 20%. So, this gets added on, the 381, and it gets it gets added on. Actually, I could do it here. And you're 40% tax. So, plus that multiplied by 40% is that. That would be your tax, one, one, two, three, two. one two three two. But you would be getting you'd be getting 20% um at the lower rate um off of your tax bill uh, plus um the mortgage interest multiplied by um uh, the amount of of um where is it um let me think it's in here there so that's what you'd be getting off so plus <laughs> that minus and here it leaves you a tax bill of 924 at higher rate payer at three thousand pound see that yeah so mm -hmm. you'd still get two thousand see you still get two thousand one hundred pound out of that and yet on the other one buying through a limited company just now you'd be paying you'd only be making a thousand pound yeah so what so you've just done you're, you're actually you're actually better off at this point in time buying buying in your own name and that's that example you've just done is a higher uh, rate tax yeah because i've got look 40 percent there's the 40 percent yeah there. yeah that's what i'm saying the 40 so see so you've got, got the a 40 lower rate there and then i've got the the lower rate there so yeah. that's the tax on the three thousand net mm -hmm. profit you're making and that's what you're coming out with but you're still getting 307 off yeah and that's often remember that's often the whole lot you might end up this is the worst case scenario by the way yeah this is this is all your employment. Um, so you're actually getting 920 in your tax bill. And if you take that off of there, you're you're clearing about 2,100 pounds. But if you look at the 5.64, uh, 5.64 that we had, look, you're only making a thousand pounds anyway before the tax. And then you're getting 20% knocked off because you're a corporation. Mm -hmm. So you're actually probably at this point in time, because of the, the interest rate, because of the 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 mortgage rates to now is actually even if you're a high rate payer buying it in your own name okay so that makes then, sense. yeah it does it does so see see in that scenario you would do that buying your own name and then obviously years down the line things change and you wanted to then use a limited company yes sell it to your limited company so okay. sell it to your limited company you'll pay the four percent eds again but you'll also if you've got a capital gain you'll get twelve thousand five hundred pound of an allowance on your capital allowance, gain yeah. And if you've got a spouse, they'll get the twelve thousand five hundred as well. So you'll be able to make twenty-five thousand. We'll be talking about capital gains right after this, actually. Uh, let's get on to capital gains right now. Yeah, that's a good about. point to cover then. Uh, so that's actually quite a really good one. Uh, pretty revealing. It's actually better to buy in your own name when the mortgage rates are now. Uh, yeah. So we'll talk about capital gains right now. Buying okay. and selling assets can provide you with an income known as capital gains. This is what we do with property. Um, for example, if you buy a property mm -hmm. at a hundred thousand pound. 
and you sell it in uh, at 140,000 in say five years time, maybe 10 years time, you make a 40,000 pound gain on your initial price. Now you'll be taxed on that, um, yeah. but the 40,000 pound gain will be taxed at either your lower rate or it'll be the higher rate of capital gains, which is 18% and out or 28%. You have an allowance of 12,500 though, but if you're married, your partner will have an allowance as well, 12,500. So yeah. you can get half of that if you've, or even if you've owned it outright in your name, to your partner, therefore you will get 25,000 pounds of an allowance before you're actually paid tax. So the 40,000 minus the 25,000 will leave you with 15,000 to be taxed on. If you're a higher rate payer, it'll be at 28%, uh, which will mean um, 15 times uh, times 28 is 4,200. Yeah. If you're a lower rate payer, you'll be taxed at 0.18, which is 2,700. So you'll make a 40,000 gain, and then you'll be you have you have basically about 36,000 pounds to play with as a higher rate player. Uh, yeah. If you're a lower rate payer, you'll have about 38,000 or 37 and a half uh, mm -hmm. to play with. So you have made that gain in your own name. So you sell it to your company, you still earn the income, right? But you lock that money into there and you put a director's loan in so you can take that money out tax free anytime you want back, yeah. and you've lent yeah. to the company. All you will do is have to pay 4% EDS, which is equivalent of round about 4% for, for 5,600. Mm -hmm. And then you'll have to get a buy to let mortgage on the limited company. But if it works out in your favor, that's when you transfer it to the limited company from your for your own self from then on. And you'll get the huge capital gains that you get on that or the huge capital limits that you get on that as well. So uh, now I've got to say here is essential to consult an accountant first about capital gains. Yes. I am an accountant, but I'm not qualified to advise everybody. Yeah. So I have to put a disclaimer here. This is this is based on my own personal experiences. This is how I would do it. So I would potentially be looking at to buy, even if it was a high repair, properties in my name now. Uh, I'm lucky I've got everything locked in in my name and also in my limited company at certain rates, which are far more attractive than the 5.64 right now. So I'm okay with that. Um, anything I buy in future, I'd probably be considering buying in my own name at this point in time because the rates are so attractive to buy in your own name. Said, yeah. Yeah. So that's maybe a one to advise our investors, possibly look at the, the scenario of the worst case scenario, you pay a higher rate on that, and would you be better off uh, because of the mortgage position buying in your yeah, own well, the reason, rather than actually a company? The reason that I was asking you questions and picking that, I've obviously been taking notes as well. So um, that's quite a good point, Jim. So I will keep that in mind. So depending on the assets, so the capital gains may wipe out all of your profit. That's another thing you've got to be concerned yeah. about. That's why you need to speak to a, 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 a proper advisor, a proper a, an accountant at the time. Now, it's difficult to get property accountants. Um, I'll be honest. There's not an accountant that just specifically does property. I've not heard of that person yet. Uh, the difficulty with that is then you then have to tell them what you want them to work out. And I do this a lot with my accountant. Everybody says, who's your accountant? And I give them my accountant's name, but I say, look, to be honest, um, I've maybe put them through the ringer because I've asked them all the questions and they'll probably have these answers now. So that's probably the experience that you're getting from the accountant based on what I've asked them uh, in order to work out. But I generally work out these two different scenarios um, myself, but you can get an accountant to work out these examples for you as well. Don't just put yourself at the mercy of them. Ask other investors that are seasoned investors 
about what their experience is and what they should what they do and um, because it gives you an insight into how you should be doing it as well and not yeah. just relying on an accountant an accountant generally does all you know typical bookkeepers they'll do limited companies they'll do farm books they'll do um they'll do um charity books they'll do um uh, local causes and you know your local football team uh, you're running and stuff like that they'll do their books but they'll also yeah. do self-employed and they'll do employed people so when it comes specialist because there's not that many property um related people they mainly have their own income as well they're not really specialist in that field of property so they yeah. don't really know that much whereas i do um, and that's why I'm, that's why sometimes I'm able to give the benefit of my knowledge and experience over the 30 years I've been doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is key. Uh, you need to make what that out. But I tell you what, that's a live. That is live, by the way. That we've just actually proved it's better to probably buy it in your own name right now. Yeah. A property, if you're going to buy a buy-to-let property, because of the attractiveness of the interest rates they're now on yeah. mortgages. Um, especially if you're getting something like, I, I wonder if it's, I wonder if how, how far these go, these mortgages. Um, they go two years, two years. Oh, yeah, boy, there's a 10-year. Ah, oh, but it's 5.49. Nah, you know what? Nah. Nah, they, they, you may as well buy it in a limited company then, if that's the case. Because I've ever believed that interest rates will come down again uh, in the next couple of years. And then you would be at that point where you'd have to then sell it to your limited company and go through that whole... Thing. Yeah, you're going to leave yourself exposed um, for that situation. Uh, and, and, and as well, I have a sneaking suspicion, so you have to factor this in, uh, you might find that uh, the government might actually take away interest deduction for sole traders, for individuals, completely. Yeah, that, uh, we've spoken about that before, Jim, and that's that's definitely in the pipework somewhere in the near future. Aye, I bet your bottom dollar is. I, I, I think, because they're not wanting people to own it themselves. They're wanting limited companies because they want it to have easy traceability. I mean, it was easy for them to say to me, I deliberately left my solicitor at the time. They said, oh, well, that's the bill. And I thought, there's no there's no ADS on this. There's no second home stamp duty on this. Um, and I just left it. And I thought, I wonder how if anybody will pick this up. And eventually, okay. you're right enough, HMRC came back to them and said, wait a minute, what about the what about the 4% ADS? And it was like, well, and I said, well, how would they know about that? Because that's a needle in a haystack. And yeah. they said they immediately knew because it was an unlimited company. Because so you can't buy you can't buy your principal private residence and get exemption on that in your in your limited company, can you? It's every single limited company has to pay four percent ADS regardless. So do you believe if that transaction had went through in your own name and they wouldn't have found it? Hadn't been, it would never have been picked up. That no, that no, they found it because that was a limited company. That's all. So any individual it, it does that and and they didn't do that and they've probably people out there have probably done that. That's that's what happened. Um, so I, I've ever, and, and I'm a great. I, I do these deliberately. I mean, I've, I've every intention of paying these things, um, but I just want to see how long it takes for them yeah. to actually find these things. Um, because I'm a systems person, and I like to prove, especially when it comes to a political point where somebody says we're doing this and we're doing that, and I go, I, I just call them out and say that's bullshit. And and the reason that's bullshit is because I, I've, I've not done that for this particular occasion, and I've proved beyond a shadow of a doubt your system doesn't pick that up. Yeah, I've done it in the past loads of times uh, and they've been pretty embarrassed but it, it then allows them to close a loop overall and make sure yeah. that it actually works properly in the future so i'm a kind of i'm a, i like to i like to prove systems uh, if the work or no it's, it's one of my things final one for me it then yeah. brings us into royal income what about royal income uh, richard uh, well, royalty incomes, uh, royalties, this is a passive income stream generated by designing or building or making 
uh, something unique and changing and charging people for that business um, and obviously use that business or service. So um, musicians are a good example. Yeah. Uh, in most cases, music musicians are signed to a particular label. Obviously, everybody will be familiar with that, such as like, obviously, we, we were talking Such about Virgin Records. Yeah. yeah. So like the, the record company pays the, the to record the music, musician and produce their record. Uh, and then market them and sell them. Um, so that's a good example of that. So the musician then receives royalty payments yeah. for every album sold or every time their music's played. Maybe like obviously you hear about oh, an artist gets so much every time it's played on the radio. And, and you know that, that that's yeah. their royalties yeah. to that song. Um, uh, famous musicians um, obviously make millions from the royalties of their popular songs that play that have been playing for years or they get yeah, obviously yeah. royalties for ones that are played maybe in adverts and things like that and, and where they're used and played uh, they'll get a percentage from that and that's what a royalty is so, so other examples uh, for people out there if you're not a musician obviously we can't all write songs yeah. <laughs> writers actually get royalties as well yeah. for writing the song so that's how we sometimes think musicians are like wow they should be worth a fortune well they're not because they only ever sung the song they never actually yeah. wrote it whereas people like elton john wrote it sang it and even produced yeah. it that's why that's why um um oh what's his name it's no uh, well chris rock is the same chris rock produces all his own stuff yeah and, and you know so th these comedians and um, whereas richard Pryor only got up on stage and sang and got paid uh, no to uh, did a, a set and a comedian set and got mm -hmm. paid he never actually earned anything he died he died broke whereas people like chris rock and that actually are, are make a fortune because they own everything they're in the background writing the, writing the material and things but as well. For, for some people out there think, how am I going to make royalties? Well, you can actually, you can invent something and sell it to somebody else. You can let them use mm -hmm. your system. Um, if you've got something like um, a proper system, uh, you could also, uh, you could even write a book or you could you yeah. could sell that online. Uh, so that's another way of earning royalties and passive income. Um, but that is truly passive because once you've done it and, and you put all that work into it, that is, for me, writing a book is truly a passive way. I mean, you might want to market and you might want to go and do gigs and all the rest of it to, to get it to sell. But once it gets to a certain point, it actually gains momentum over the tipping point and everybody keeps buying it because it becomes the Bible. Think and grow rich. Napoleon Hill, classic example. Everybody buys that and everybody recommends it. Everybody talks about it and everybody who's no read it should be reading it. If you want to know about compounded wealth and compounded income and how to create real wealth, um, and anybody can do this, Start off with Think and Grow Rich about Andrew Carnegie, the famous, yeah. the famous yeah. industrialist. Talks about Ford as well, Henry Ford and how he did it. Um, Henry Ford instantly had two other car companies that failed before he started. And yet he found that the, the Ford Motor Company was the third one. So he failed miserably. So did Disney. Yeah. You know, Disney as well um, um, failed miserably beforehand and successive companies before that, before he actually had Disney. And that's the one it went, and that's the one that they wanted. They wanted to put him in an asylum. They thought he was a loony when he said I would have a big mouse with ears and and have all these characters. It's like you're nuts getting in an asylum. Anyway, let's finish off there. What's your final thoughts on this, Richard? Yeah, I think um, like we started off at the beginning, Jim. We explained obviously things in the future aren't going to be maybe what people anticipate. And I think to think about your own uh, situation and your family and your generations to come, think about how you could create different income streams, not out with just your normal nine to five job and how they could pass on uh, and keep continuing when you're not here. Uh, and th th there are yeah. so many yeah. ways to do that. And we've, we've, uh, we've explained them today.
as the old saying goes, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yes. It simply means don't concentrate on one thing all the time and applies particularly well to this, what we're talking about today. Spread your income streams. If it's a little amount, it'll, 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 it'll compound over time. Um, and it's an excellent way to earn income, money outside of what you're doing and reduce the risk of your ability to perform. That's it. Uh, and that's us. We'll see you next week for the next Wealth Creation oh, yeah. Show. That was great, Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.